pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to Declarations of War. I'm your host, Alexei Card, joined by the returning Artemis Albosa. Howdy, howdy. And speaking of returns, we have been joined by some very special guests, devs that have faced the lion's den and decided to return, CCP Swift and CCP Rattati. CCP Swift, say hi. Hey, everyone. Uh, nice to be here. I'm, uh, if you, in case you forgot who I am, because it's been so long, my name is CCP Swift. Uh, I was formerly a player, still a player, I guess. Named Elise Randolph. So if you uh, are picking up something similar in there, that's where it's from. I'm a community manager now. It's been great and uh, really happy to be here. And CCP Rattati, welcome back to the show. A little bit about yourself, please. Hi, everyone. Happy to be back. Well, CCP Rattati, what is it you say you do here? I'll, I'll clarify this. Uh, probably not for the last time, but um, I'll try once more. Um, I am a part of a uh, development leadership uh, where three peers that report to the executive producer who reports to Hillmore. It's uh, Berger, CCP, create, uh, CCP Berger, creative director um, and production director, uh, CCP Shreddy, and myself, director of product. And in very short term, uh, Berger is responsible for long-term vision, creative uh aspirations. My job is to take those that vision and disseminate into a an actionable product strategy, find out the opportunities that teams can work on, uh, see if there are any uh, cooperations or things where teams work together or they work on their own uh, on opportunities, whether it's short, uh, medium, or long-term. And then CCP Shreddy is responsible for executing on the product strategy. So that's it, I think. And um, just for for our listeners who might not be as hardcore following the org structure of CCP, who is the executive producer that you report to? That's CCP Man Bear. CCP Man Bear. Uh, well, I I think it's worthwhile before we get into a lot of the nitty gritty. Um, CCP Rotati, for better or worse, you have sort of become the public face of Eve development in a lot of ways. Um. You've done media things. There was a, recently a stream last month. Um, people kind of put your name and sometimes your face onto a lot of the decisions and uh, directions that the game is going. Obviously, if you're part of a group, it's not 100% on you. But certainly publicly, you've been out in front taking responsibility or at least taking responsibility for communicating it. Could you talk a little bit about how that dynamic came about and how comfortable you feel in that role? Uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I am the person who's responsible for taking uh, the vision and uh, turning it into actionable features. So in, in uh, that's completely fair. I am responsible for that, and that's why I'm on the forums and in the media to, to talk about that. So... That's simply a part of my job. Um, I really enjoy my job. Uh, I love talking about the stuff that we want to do um, and happy to discuss it uh, in our forums and, and in social media and, and et cetera. So uh, I have 
being the face of it and being responsible for all of the good or bad ideas, uh, it, it's fine. It, it's good to have one person to, to point that. Um, and ultimately, it is my call if, if a feature needs to be changed or prioritized or um, pulled back, as has happened, uh, that all goes through me, and, um, and that's how it is. One of the really cool things, and this has always struck me as something that's kind of special for, for Eve and specifically uh, for like the relationship between the players and the developers, is you can see like CCB Rotati like responding to people <laughs> on the forums in like YouTube comments. Like he just somehow is, is a machine and can uh, just suck up all of these like tidbits and discussion points uh, from all over the, the world, rather all over the Eve world. Um, and, you know, he's really open to having a, a discussion about what happens in, in New Eden and what happens uh, for the future of EVE. And I think that's, that's just like extraordinarily special for a game. Uh, I say this as uh, I don't play many games, but uh, like when I play other games, like a game that I play a lot of is like Dota. I've never once like heard whispers of a developer <laughs> talking to another player, uh, even through like an intermediary. And here, Ritari just like is always uh, for good, bad, or indifferent. Always in the front, taking. Um, generally, he doesn't take the compliments. He takes the the brunt of like the the criticism because you know that's, that's of, of which of... there are fewer to be yeah. fair. I mean, so, uh, devs lying to you on Reddit is not a god given right. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, I love that. Uh, it's it's fine. It it always happens. Uh, and, I've, I've uh, always appreciated just, that. It's, it's part of the job. Uh, I spent two or three years on the for, on the dust forums doing the exact same thing, and I ultimately, I think, I hope, I won their trust over time, and I intend to do so with Eve uh, with the Eve community. I'm always trying to think of Eve's long term future, and uh, I'm always trying to see if there are a, a better ideas, uh, different. Uh, venues or or new opportunities that we haven't or blind spots that we haven't been thinking of and I, I do these harvesting kind of forays into the forums or through the CSM often and I, I really try to kind of throw a wide net come back try to see if there's any any sense in any of this uh, my slack is uh, my, our communication channel is full of snippets of random stuff on Reddit, like, is this a good idea? Like, does this even make sense? Is that like, maybe he's onto something or, or not? Like, so we're, it, it's a part of the job is to collect all kinds of, of insights and information and the forums are a part of it. CSM obviously is a, is a more direct line uh, and less, less words to read and go through. But um, the forum, like uh, I, I, I do a round trip on, on both the forums and Reddit uh, very regularly to just kind of keep tabs on what's happening. I think that's very encouraging, but I think a lot of your critics would then turn around and go, well, if that's true, you know, how do you explain some of your behavior and some of CCP's decisions in the past couple of months where it doesn't seem like CCP was very in touch with player sentiment and seemed like there was a lot of resistance to the player reaction to some of the more unpopular decisions and feature ideas that, to your credit, were eventually 
put off or changed, but seemed like it took quite well, an undertaking in the player base. Many of them never even reached TQ, so that's one of the things that we did. We put it on CC for a reason, so it didn't go on TQ, and often it feels like it went to TQ, and then there was a, an outrage, and we had to pull it. Like It literally just never went onto the server, so that's the first. So that really kind of takes the take the edge of CCP never listens part of it. Uh, on my behavior, I don't know what you're referring to specifically, but we have been going through the feedback since day one and uh, using that to 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 improve our designs and features. So I'll be, we're I'll be literally doing that. There was a Q&A stream on Twitch where, uh, and you guys can correct me if this perception is incorrect, but the perception was the questions were quite pre-scripted and cherry-picked. And both the questions and some of the answers seemed uh, wildly tone deaf compared to the level of vitriol and negativity. And (laughs) that was kind of swirling in the community at the time. To your credit, yes, a lot of these features did not make it to TQ. But the perception on my end is that it took a Jita riot to make that happen, which is not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I can address that directly. I can hop on this one. Um, So. You mentioned a few things. First of all, I, I just want to give credit to Carneros, who was our player host. And he actually picked all the questions. Um, he did let us know, like, hey, here are some of the questions I'm going to pick from. Uh, and he gave us kind of a bigger basket of questions. And he didn't tell us exactly which one he was going to go for, just so we could have things prepared like graphs. Um, but we had no influence over what questions he was going to pick. Uh, so it, it seems like a bit of a softball. It's probably just uh, Carneros... Um, trying to artfully dodge some of the more hostile questions. I mean, I in fairness, the, it was a very general interest stream, so I wouldn't expect. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I think there was, there was a lot of like backlash, as you mentioned it, from like certain communities, uh, specifically like people who were used to uh, Rorqual mining, people who, uh, communities who had a lot of Rorquals that were saying, hey, you're affecting my bottom line. This was supposed to be... Uh, turning the switch off and, and letting letting the riches flow. You call it prosperity. Give me my prosperity and my work will. Uh, but looking at the data, which, you know, uh, Susie Biritati and the entire econ team has been amazing at, like, making data-informed decisions, uh, we're looking, oh, work miners, a few hundred of them were outproducing the game. This, this can't be good. <laughs> uh, oh, it scales N plus one. This can't be good. Like, you can make some tweaks. The work will have been nerfed. Like, uh, excavators got nerfed. You can keep doing that, but if Eve is going to sustain, it can't just be, hi, if you want to solve the question of mining, the answer is get a Rorqual, join the biggest group, and go nuts. Like, that's just not healthy and, for the game. make your own Rorqual the day after. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so obviously, like, the, that group really didn't like the idea that, hey, this thing that I earned, this thing that I bought, like, the, this thing that I, like, strove for and trained for – this is getting nerfed. Like uh, no one really likes in any game. No one likes it when people get nerfed. I remember when, and this is going in the Wayback Machine, um, when snakes and polycarbons and nanofibers never st- uh, stacked against one another. So it was like the nano era of Eve, where everything was just going super fast. I vividly remember I was farming in Fountain because I was like super cheap. I wanted to get my own snake set implant. <laughs> And I didn't want to pay someone else for it. So I was like, I'm going to do this myself. So I was farming in Fountain in a Drake. Uh, and I finally got a Snake Omega to drop. And I was like, blessed. I plugged it in. And the next day, the very next day, 
uh, nano nerf came in, and I was so mad that my vagabond could no longer go uh, like 19k a second. But then after like everything started to stabilize a little bit and things started to to straighten out and flatten out, I came to look at it and be like, hey. It's probably a lot better that I can't go 30k a second in the a crow and just these blistering speeds where no one could really counter me. And if we're just looking at, I know it's it's very soon after the changes hit TQ, but if we're just looking at it, like mining numbers have gone up, like the amount of ore mines uh, has gone up dramatically. Well, I don't know, if I want to say dramatically, but it's gone up, it's increased, and you know players are still flying rorquals. It's not like they're uh, right click reprocess go next. Like it's a it's a really healthy dynamic. Play, players are out in space in hulks and Mackinaws uh, and other even uh, other different types of barges. Like they're experimenting with what's meta, what's new, and and how this mining thing works. Even Pandemic Legion, like a, a, an alliance five years ago that you would scoff at mining, had this massive mining op where they brought in like 150 bill of moon uh, moon goo just just through using hulks, and they were just like, hey, this worked kind of better than before uh, and there's still like the whole the the Rorqual is still massive massively uh, powerful with the links it provides and like there's still plans for uh stuff that's coming as we mentioned in the in the winter dev blog like there's uh, potentially some cool features mobility features that players saw on singularity for a couple minutes there um and compression which is going to come back uh in a in a much more like uh, user enjoyable way oh we've got some questions about that coming up yes oh good 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 uh but yeah so and i don't like i i don't want to discount the like the player behavior doesn't matter uh but i don't i don't think many changes happen when there's like a jita riot like I, I think we took a lot more careful consideration from from players that spoke out saying hey we don't like this for this reason uh, Steve so Rukin had a great if blog. If anyone changed the narrative, it's 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 people like Dunk or who yeah exactly who who, who just talked about the issues in a, a sane and normal way, and um, we took heed. And uh, it was a complex uh, release for us, uh, multiple components coming together, and uh, I'll just admit it: uh, the 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 kind of final oversight of the package wasn't like kind of clear it kind of was a, a bit of a uh yeah a mixed bag and um some of some of the um some of the numbers that we're seeing were uh basically blown out of proportion to be able to see some of these effects on cc just so that we we'd know what would uh they were placeholders on cc so uh and then there were errors and and all that stuff so like um we took all that into account and then we took the good critique feedback and, and and went back into into dev and and we're we launched what we thought was the right thing to launch and we talked about it on on streams and forums and we're now working on on further iterations and improvements and new features so we recently had the mer for november and december released and with that it was a bit delayed for the two months because there was some data stuff going on in the background from what i understand from your announcement just real quick elise you mentioned that mining had gone up and i wanted to to point that out because i've seen graphs on it before as well showing that if you decompose the mer data mining amount goes up but if you look at it individually on like a region by region basis 
Delve, as an example, during the month of November, so pre-Rourke changes, was at 1.9 trillion M3 or trillion in mining value. I guess this is ISK value. Then come December, that's halfway down in eight or 850 billion. But yeah, that's is uh, it like an a, intentional. The MER is is unfortunately just had uh, bugs in it, so missing missing elements. So so we are releasing, I think. Hopefully, up to the charts tomorrow for the MER, and um, that should be completely correct. And uh, that was a a very unfortunate, basically database issue that that we hadn't foreseen or didn't Fair realize enough. until uh, until it had been released. Yeah, well, I, just to be uh, just to be really clear, like as I, I think I posted this, but uh, or the day of, like the mining data for the MER for December completely wrong <laughs> like so you see that drop off it's not an actual drop off it's just the data that uh, that we put out um and just to to clarify like the MER data isn't the same data well uh, the MER isn't what we at CCP look at on a day-to-day basis we have our own like uh, data reporting tools so we didn't really we don't look at the the MER format we're looking at like stuff that's accurate uh and and paints the whole picture and so it was really easy to see when we uh, when we pulled up the um, the MER for December that like oh shit there's a huge discrepancy in our own numbers based on what the MER is and part of that is the MER just needed some TLC uh, straight out like so much in the game has changed since the MER was introduced so all the tools that like feed into the MER and create that data they needed some uh, some updating so CCB Larrikin has been hot on the case. Uh, I think he's got some, uh, as Rattati was saying, he's got some uh, cool new updates to the MER that we'll hopefully we'll be seeing soon, definitely this week. Um, and yeah, so yeah. then you can kind of see a little bit more clearly what's going on in Nuit in terms of, uh, especially in terms of mining. And it paints a really cool picture and one that I'm personally happy with. I, I don't speak for the, <laughs> for the economy team because I'm not part of the economy team. But as a player, I'm satisfied with the numbers I see. All right, let's, yeah, I, I don't think it's clear okay. enough that the MER is a, a relic of uh, kind of a, a player-facing effort that we we, we generate uh, every month. And uh, that's that's basically what we're looking at. It's it's kind of slowly going out of out of sync. And we're like now at a a, a place where we have to pull the pull the handbrake and, and properly fix it. Um, and take into account the feedback that I've been collecting for from directly from a lot of uh, Eve industrialists and uh, economists like Breaver uh, and, and and a couple of people um, who, who just sent me a list of, of things they're missing, uh, wrongly categorized things, and 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 we're aware it's it, it's kind of it's one of the features that we need to would need to prioritize to to fix and. Uh, Actually, now is it feels like it's it it's a time to 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 do something uh, drastic about about it. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, we've been kind of, and I guess maybe it's almost unavoidable. I was hoping to avoid it, but uh, splitting up like actual discussion of the mechanics of the scarcity and prosperity patches with the overall player response. But I do want to talk about since it got brought up. The compression thing. So there were there were two really big standout features that people did not like. The ore waste, which CCP tweaked, 
and putting compression back in space and requiring player time to do it. That change got postponed, but my current understanding from the dev blogs is that it is still planned to happen. Now, at least you mentioned that it will it, you believe that the new way that CCB is going to go about it will make players happy. Is there anything you can do to elaborate on that? Because I'm not even an industrial player, and I had like sympathy pains for the idea of people being out in space with Oracles for hours a day, compressing what would take a click right now. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, it was never going to be ours. Um, we would have tuned everything based on feedback before we went to TQ. So that would never have gone to TQ as um, as it was on CC. So, however, just for the sake of simplicity and um, and prosperity, we are working on a much simpler solution, which is basically the same kind of um, interaction, uh, hopefully with a when an improved UI when you're dealing with um, different types of compression, because we're going to add gas and um, moon compression to more ships um, and probably have a dedicated kind of small UI window to, to do so. So it's not as uh, right-clicky, but uh, wouldn't take any additional time. It's going to take a couple of skills uh, to do and a couple of modules, but I think that's the, the extent of it. But uh, gas compression is definitely something we really wanted to get into the game, uh, as well as moon. So... Uh, we're sticking to that. I think it's good for the game. It's going to change a lot of uh, industrial uh, strategies and, and logistics. So we're just looking forward to doing it in a in a much kind of simpler manner. For the folks like me who aren't diehard industrialists, could you elaborate a little bit more on the the kind of impact you're hoping to see from adding that sort of compression? We'll see people being able to. Um, simplify the logistics when they need to. So they may be set up uh, in, in a faraway place or in wormholes doing gas. Uh, and then um, it's imperative to have uh, ways to, to reduce your, your uh, inventory, the space that your resources and minerals are taking. So compressing in space uh, is going to be a valuable kind of uh, addition to the the arsenal that these people have these players have and then be able to stay out in space longer and 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 maybe you know have a have some friends jump back and forth with with a leaner more more valuable uh, cargo awesome thank you for clarifying I do want to slightly just change the the topic of conversation a little bit to something that's on the top of everybody's mind. So I don't want to. I want to make sure we hit it, and that's the most recent Doctor Who event. It's a crossover between Eve Online and Doctor Who. It has had. It's been a very polarizing topic to say the least. Um, I'm really curious, just out of my own curiosity, what's the origins of this event? How did it come into existence? Because it's not something many people saw coming. So part of this is like a, and I do know that it was like a really polarizing uh, crossover. I will say that uh, reading the forums and Reddit and then other pieces of Eve media, Eve media, people decided if they loved it or hated it uh, based solely on uh, just the, the idea of it without actually seeing the content <laughs> or knowing what's e even about it. So uh, that was incredibly frustrating. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So CCB Fuzzy and I hopped on uh, Asherathi's stream uh, just to explain a little bit about uh, what it is and what it isn't, right? So I think people thought this was going to be some sort of like complete immersion breaking. Uh, every ship is now a TARDIS. Your character gets replaced by the Doctor. Uh, you have to wear Doctor Who gear or something like that. No, no, no. That's that's not what it is at all, right? It's it's just an event where uh, there's some cool, unique things to explore in space. It takes you into a little pocket galaxy uh, where you get to observe Gallifrey. If you're a Doctor Who no nerd at all, uh, you completely, well, like me, you completely geek out about seeing Gallifrey in EVE. And then there's little Daleks that shoot. Uh, your EVE characters, they're not called Daleks. They're called biomechanical uh, something somethings. Um, so you, you don't really, your EVE character from a lore perspective uh, never understands that what they are. They just are these strange things in this pocket dimension. So it doesn't really destroy any of the, the amazing uh, world building that went into EVE. Uh, this was done with like a very uh, strong oversight from our narrative team, like Team Inkling, which people may remember uh, CB Delegate Zero, who is just like our resident lore guy. <laughs> he basically had to green light everything before it would even be potentially brought into the game. Uh, and so this was done like he was like, okay, yeah, I could see in a world where this works. Uh, I can see how this plays out. Here's how we do it. Doesn't break the game. Uh, doesn't destroy lore. It doesn't do anything like that. Uh, as far as where it started, uh, from my understanding, and this predates me a little bit, uh, but from my understanding, I was chatting with uh, some of the people who were working on it, uh, the BBC uh, and uh, CSB, like just chatted a little bit uh, in probably 2020, towards the end of 2020. Said, hey, is this something, is this type of collaboration something that you guys would be interested in? I know people were like trying to speculate, hey, someone paid someone a lot of money to do this. No, like, no, no, it was just a, a, a collaboration between two different, uh, very established sci fi IPs where we thought we could both mutually benefit. Uh, and we went forward with it. Um, CCB Burger had to approve it uh, along the way. The BBC had to approve it uh, along the way. And we wound up with this event. And I'm not trying to like, uh, do anything like crazy and, and be like a, a super staunch CCP here. But as a player, this is probably the best event the CCP has ever put out in terms of how much fun I'm having. Uh, there's like a competition for getting the site so I can like rob another player in case space <laughs> of the materials before, like if I want to, um, to, to get the materials to build the filaments, I could go in there. The exploration sites are actually challenging. You can't just click through it. You have to use your brain. Uh, the combat sites are really, really fun. You have to theorycraft a T1 cruiser of all things, and um, I'm just, I'm just having a blast. There's market, there's industry, there's everything you could want. Yeah, I know. For me personally, I was a fan of just the concept of crossovers in general, and I personally hope they continue into the future. Like, people have got their Naruto skins in Fortnite. I've got my Eve Online ship model mods in Stellaris. It's the sort of thing where. When you have such a long-standing science fiction space-oriented MMO, literally the number one sci-fi MMO as far as I know, it'd be great to be able to to bring in some other cultural touchstones and see how they integrate. And what I was happy with this event is it wasn't just, here's a skin. It was, here's a bunch of new gameplay. Here's something interesting to do and a reason for new players to try out the game. 
my my question to you when when approaching this crossover event what i thought it would be was very focused on new players trying to get whovians who'd never tried it before who had tried it and wanted to come back get them to come on board is that like an overarching goal with this was it very much just a hey let's test the waters was what were sort of the goals or what were you hoping to accomplish with the event i mean that's definitely part of it um but the the idea is absolutely to have content for existing players as well. This isn't just a, a quick, let's get some new guys in here and, and show them cool stuff. Uh, we definitely want existing players to, um, to to have a good time as well. And I think that's pretty clear from the content. Uh, the exploration sites, like the tier three exploration sites, if you're a new player, there's no way you're going to hack those cans. I'm sorry. No matter how good you think you are at the hacking minigame, uh, it's definitely something for, for more geared towards the vets. Uh, I can add a little bit of flavor. So Berger is very interested in, and that's one of his uh, vision things, um, is to embrace and pay homage to the the uh, IPs that inspired us. And Doctor Who is one of those, um, and, they're, and they're few and far between. They are the, you know, the epic ones. Um, so I don't know that this is going to be something that you can expect regularly. Uh, I think it was a very uh, kind of almost random as things happen in, in this business, like uh, talking to BBC about something else, and then maybe there's an opportunity in the future. Uh, and I think it just always has to be very respectful and very careful. Um I'm much more on the traditionalist side of of stuff. I'm I get I get very uncomfortable when things go into my IP or my game, and it's not the way that I'm used to it, and I don't want it to change. So I'm 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 very I'm I'm very hard to sway on this kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be it it's it's not going to go and turn into that uh, nightmare that that Reddit was uh, was assuming might happen. Uh, There's definitely be... a lot of doomsaying on Reddit, but I I do think one one kernel of truth from that is Doctor Who is a, a very strange IP to cross with Eve. Um, Doctor Who famously pretty hopeful and wholesome. Uh, the Doctor usually resolving conflicts without violence. Uh, that's pretty much the opposite of Eve, which is not wonderful. It's it's gritty. It's dark. It's extremely violent. People are constantly at war and constantly trying to screw with each other. So I was wondering what what do you guys think the tie-ins are really, and how you know the, how does the that tie-in is out? is paying respect to IPs that inspired us, and uh, and also doing something for fans of Doctor Who, even if if Doctor Who and Eve aren't similar games, they're both uh, pioneers in sci-fi in many ways. So it's way more than that that we're we're brothers in sci-fi than than anything else than that the IPs are are really close to each other uh, and that's this partnership it was very interesting definitely something that we'll try to learn from and take everything into account that's been happening and we discuss this every day obviously like how is it, how are people going to react you know is this a knee-jerk reaction what's the real value here but I think ultimately like if I'm if if we brought more value to the players that loved it than the the players that really really didn't like it, uh, I think 
I think that's something to take away. And by what I read, actually, I'm surprised, like actually surprised by how crazy happy people are with the content itself. So in the very least, we learn something on the content creation side and can can, uh, work on that and add that into the future. And on the sites themselves and, and the content for it, I saw there's also some hyperbole on or conjecture on how much effort we spent on this instead of fixing all the other things that we're supposed to. Was going to um, be my next question. <laughs> this this was a this is a uh, we have an event team and they knocked it out of the park uh, and and uh, they would have done a different event if they weren't doing this event. So uh, nothing lost there except and a lot of stuff gained uh, experience etc. I will uh, chime in as a uh, fervent Doctor Who fan. He's not like a goody two shoes. Uh, he, I think, I think Doctor Who fits pretty well into the, the Eve universe as well, or rather, uh, into just like the, the type of world that New Eden is. Obviously, the Doctor is not in New Eden, but like you're talking about, uh, some, some pretty gritty stuff that the Doctor has gone through, uh, and has endured. And, um, sure, there's like fun and, and whimsical parts to it, but it's, I don't think it's like a feel good. Maybe I get something completely different out of it. Maybe I've played Eve too long where it's uh, like colored my views of, of different IP. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fun thing. And as uh, Cesar Rotati said, like the, the live events team did an amazing job putting this out. And, you know, if, if it wasn't this event, it would have been a different type of event. Uh, so we would have still gotten an event uh, one way or another. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, you know, resuming all the way back, probably the biggest uh, the biggest strike against this event was simply the timing uh, coming off the back of the scarcity prosperity problems, and before players had anything new to like get happy about in between. So that's just development for you. Yeah, it's a team that's been working on it for uh, some time that had nothing to do with uh, the ecosystem in particular, and they just simply are parallel and have nothing to do with each other. So uh, oh, and, uh, it's the fact it is. Real quick question. I saw this pop up on Reddit, and I do want to give you guys the opportunity to just dispel any rumors to the contrary, that certain sites were locked by people purchasing packs because they couldn't get the, uh, the materials to access the level threes without the materials that were only available in a paid bundle. Yeah, the YZ seventy nine, I think, was the component that was uh, that was like had a really really low drop rate. Um, the, I think the one thing to remember here is that this is a uh, three week, almost three week long event, and people were kind of hoping to get to the end on day one. Uh, so what, what the live events team ended up doing is it ended up like completely boosting the amount that that material drops. So instead of maybe getting a chance at like one or two. Um, you can definitely get a, uh, quite a bit more, which will help you create the, the the next level filaments, right? So if you are unfamiliar with the event, you have to start in case space. Um, you do about five or six of the case space sites before you have uh, the BPC for like the first level exploration site and the uh, materials to create that. Um, on day one, like uh, you were probably had to run a quite a bit more to get the amount needed. So they just buffed it up. So you only needed to do on average about five was kind of what they were hoping for of the case based sites to get to the next level. And then the next level will get you a chance of getting level two sites. 
And then in there, you can get a level three site or you can get a combat site and so on and so forth. And they all kind of build up similar to how it works in the abyss originally, where you had to run like the low level abyss sites in order to get access uh, to the high level abyss sites. Um, but I think part of that was players are getting a little bit too excited. Well, part of that is the drop rate was really low, which is what we fixed. Another part is players, players are kind of hoping to get to the end uh, pretty quickly, which uh, not the case in an event like this. So if you were playing on day one, a curious filament uh, was selling for about 50 mil. If you look now, uh, it's about 2 mil. <laughs> and I'm sure if you look in uh, closer towards the end, it'll probably be less than 1 mil. Uh, so all the prices as these things kind of uh, come out and as more players get to experience them, the prices obviously do come down quite a bit. Uh, but in classic E fashion, the early bird does get the worm. So the players that were kind of grinding it early to get towards that endgame content uh, definitely made a mint selling some of the um, some of the components for the higher end blueprints. You mentioned that, um, or we've already sort of discussed that the initial reaction to this Doctor Who event was mired in sort of the, the poor timing with the reception to the previous industry changes, but another shadow over recent announcements has also been the nfts that came with the alliance tournament and a lot of community concern has come out about them they've been discussed in the past as well but for the sake of our audience and people who maybe haven't heard it yet what's sort of the stance on the nft with the alliance tournament how are we feeling about them now and looking forward um so our stance is that NFT is uh, something that's happening in the in in the in our world today, and something we need to take heed of. Uh, you know, like with any new technology, you kind of just need to understand it, put your wrap your head around it, and and see is this value? Is this value for anyone? Is there? Is this going to get get picked up by the community? And everyone's like, "Where's the NFT guys? Like, this is awesome." Versus like, we all hate NFTs. Uh, this is that new that we, uh, for the for the Alliance tournament, we set ourselves a, a tiny, tiny uh, prototype to test this, out this new technology. How would it work if we wanted to apply it? Uh, you know, what's the most harmless thing you could, could ever do? Well, you, we can NFT a corpse uh, from an Alliance tournament, trying to create like um, just a, a relic of the times kind of like a you know a basketball victory ring or or a super bowl ring or whatever something that has weird value to collectors but not really to anyone who doesn't care about any of it so and the most evil possible because it's corpses <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like we all just kind of thought it was a funny thing to do like honestly um then i think like over time like honestly like i've i'm not into crypto or nfts or anything so it there's not like a a big i would say internal revolution coming from that side it's it's way more like what's happening around us and should we be a part of it and um i think after that like a month later uh there's this kind of uprising uh, around nfts and in games and uh we're we're just monitoring the situation and um there is no NFT aspect of Doctor Who at all, and uh, there's nothing here that we're trying to to do from from any monetary gains. Uh, what we're mostly interested in, in is this kind of 
you know, player created uh, market, kind of this downstream market of, of, of cosmetics mostly, like that don't affect the game. How, how can we allow them to be traded around the game, not necessarily inside the game? Uh, is there value in it for players to do so? Are there other things that are valuable? But and nothing is planned or being discussed about any NFTs impacting the in-game EVE economy at all, like uh, 0%. Um, however, Bit, so NFT isn't the same as uh, blockchain. And blockchain is just very interesting technology of uh, for all kinds of reasons. And uh, I'm not going to explain blockchain or try to explain it. I can't really. But uh, if there's a way to offload some of the third-party tools, for example, that, that players are making and, and, and doing and kind of tapping into some kind of a, a secure blockchain where uh, developers and players can can access it kind of like an, an API or a, an off off uh, uh, TQ trading market. That's interesting, but it's like it's nowhere near any any uh, actual development. We're we're kind of just in exploration. Like, what does this technology mean, and how does it affect us in the community? Yeah, that's super well said. I think that's going to be really, really, really reassuring to a lot of players who. Um, perhaps are, are worried that NFTs or something are like the future of Eve or anything. I saw a really, uh, there was like a really impassioned thread when we announced the Doctor Who crossover from a Doctor Who fan who had never played Eve. He just liked the, the Doctor Who IP. And he said, hey, you know what, guys? Uh, Doctor Who, there be, Doctor Who tried to make a, a trading card game that had NFTs. I bet you that's the tie-in here. Uh, and so the tinfoil went nuts <laughs> for a few, uh, few hours before we were like, yeah, nope. Sorry, not the thing. Uh, right now, the extent of our NFTs is we gave NFTs for the Alliance Tournament as like a commemorative thing. Um, you you don't even have to take it if you don't want it. You can like if you don't want your NFT that you earned, you can just trash it, or you can have us trash it for you. We put it into like a, a trash blockchain, uh, and you know we're really really um, hyper aware of some of the criticisms of NFTs, specifically as it pertains to like energy usage. So when we were like experimenting with this and, and toying with this idea, uh, we went with a blockchain that um, it's like a proof of stake blockchain on the on a company called Tezos. Uh, and like the energy consumption for each uh, NFT that was minted was incredibly, incredibly low. I think um, uh, excuse me, Goodfellow did the math where all of the NFTs, if like everyone in the Alliance tournament simultaneously died we had to mint every single player as an NFT for every single match. Um, it would be less than like um, a, a week of gaming or something like that. Uh, so in terms of the environmental aspects of it, uh, completely tried to minimize that. Uh, and as Ritali was saying, NFTs have been like kind of the buzzword for gaming over the last two months or so. Um, woot woot, we were ahead of the curve. Um but like none of, nothing with our implementation affects any of our relationship with Steam. I know a lot of players were concerned about that, uh, but because we just gave away commemorative ones and have no future plans or, or like no uh, working plans or anything like that to, to do anything with them, obviously that's we're still okay with Steam. Uh, we chatted with all of our partners to make sure our implementation was fine and they were all okay with it. So so that is the. The NFT uh, bundle. 
I'm glad you did bring up the uh, the environmental dev blog because that really jumped out at me as as an example of CCP missing the mark on communications. I didn't, I mean, maybe I missed something, but I, I was pretty plugged into a lot of the conversation around um, the Alliance Tournament NFTs, and I don't remember a single thread about their environmental impact. So a lot of threads about concern that it might introduce uh, predatory or exploitative monetization into the game in a way that it has in a lot of other places. And I didn't see CCP address that publicly. Now you talked about it a little bit here. Um, and maybe the answer just is you guys aren't sure if you want to do it or not yet, or, or how you might want to do it if you did. But why, why did you, why, how did it go down this environmental impact angle rather than address that player hesitancy or concern directly? I think part of the uh, part of it, I guess, is why would we want to take advantage of players? Like, I thought that was pretty straightforward. That that's not something we'd want to do. Well, monocles um, comes comes pretty fresh to the mind of most Eve players. So fresh. <laughs> it feels. I mean, it was a long time ago, but it doesn't feel like a long time ago for those of us that were around then. So, just for the sake of the argument, uh, it was a cosmetic item for money, right? Yes, but I mean, I'm responding to Swift's like, why would we mm-hmm. want to take advantage of players? Well, because there are a lot of players who are willing to spend exorbitant amounts of money, even if, you know, it really wouldn't be responsible of them to do that. There's an entire industry called casinos and gambling that are designed to take advantage of people that have poor impulse control. I don't so, I don't know if like uh, if specifically I, I for the I monocle. can't conflate gambling with with purchasing something you like and think is valuable. Uh, people who buy cosmetics are now it's completely, you know, normalized across every game in this the gaming industry. So like whether it's good or bad, but nothing we did then was um, anything like gambling in that sense. So you can't conflate that with with uh, with cosmetics or being predatory or ex or or exploitative in in some way. So as uh, as someone who was sitting on the CSM during uh, during the incarnate days, during the monocle gate and stuff like that, I know a lot of player outrage at the time wasn't necessarily, hey, CCP is trying to scam me um, by baiting me into this cool monocle. Uh, it was, hey, <laughs> we want changes to the game, and we got uh, we got walking in stations, and we got uh, cosmetics, and the price of the cosmetics isn't what I want it to be, um, and we don't want the we don't want the game moving forward to be um, cosmetics based. And hey, what about this new pay to win thing that's coming out? Uh, we don't want Eve to be pay to win. Like that was kind of the the crux of the sentiment from my perspective as a player at the time. I, I never really got the the sense that like CCV is taking advantage of me with this monocle. Um, I'm so, just drawing so, a parallel. Like yeah, I think yeah, a lot yeah, of the yeah, concerns yeah. you're talking about that that people attached to Monocle Gate back then, you know, you're you're hearing a lot of that same feeling now. Whether it's yeah, and I think, or not, you know, time would tell. I'm yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't think it's even irrelevant if it's justified or not. Like, if people are are, are worried about that, that's something that um, that they should not be worried about. <laughs> like straightforward. I know a lot of people see NFTs, and uh, even if you don't understand the technology or anything like that, or if you like aren't really uh, familiar with uh, what the blockchain is or how the NFT stuff works, like for me, when I see NFT on my timeline, it's NFT scam this, NFT scam that. 
uh, NFT destroying this. So like, of course, if you're protective of your, your game as Eve players are, um, and protective of your hobby, you just want to make sure that no bad shit gets into it. Uh, right. But, but as, uh, at CCB, we also want to make sure that no bad shit gets into it. Uh, despite what, what made Yeah, we have a vested made. interest here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I, yeah. I, I I get I get it uh, because it's it's new and potentially dangerous and and all that. But I think it's it could be something different. So we just I I I don't want to just throw it away out of spite or fear. Like um, just want to understand it and how it whether it needs to like should work or or be a part of Eve. Like uh, I think that's fair with almost every technology. Um, on on how the Reddit thread or was answered, whether it's an economic concern or 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 environmental concern, like I I don't think anyone really was thinking about it, uh, but uh, hopefully I'm I'm clearing it up uh, today at least. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry I'm monopolizing Artemis's uh, topic here, but I do have one more question. Um, you mentioned that you know part of the reason it's it's cool is like it's an exciting emerging technology, which it is. Uh, to what extent do you usually think about how Eve might incorporate, you know, these sorts of technological developments that are in the wider industry with the kind of interactions you have with the CSM? Do you see it more as this is a technical project we should just be working on internally with some kind of, you know, R&D or maybe specific projects? Or do you see it as a game development issue that you kind of need to co-create with the players and their representatives? I think you want to demonstrate that the technology works before even going into feature land or 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 discussing options with anyone. But I do think that you're correct. Um, I think the community sentiment can be gauged as well at the same time uh, in parallel. Just like what does this technology mean? How does it work? And what does the community feel about it? Uh, but it's very hard in the in the situation that we're right now. Like what. I don't think anyone's going to jump out and say, hey, we're like uh, a big IP and say, like, we're all in NFTs. It's danger zone at the moment. So uh, I think we'll we'll see and feel and hear a lot of the community's concern uh, without asking for it uh, in the in the next few months or, or even years. Uh, but I think it's it's technologically you just kind of need to know that it works. And in, in some way, this might become uh, the, the blockchain part, it might become like, uh, in five years, who knows, uh, the way that you interact with, with Eve instead of the API, for example. Like, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that I, I can't even begin to predict, um, where technology leads us. But to be able to be relevant and be on point with what's happening and grow forever because we want to keep this game going forever we have to also be able to embrace and adapt to new technologies like uh, we can't just sit and be the same that we've always been because people grow up and people are different and in 10 years everyone maybe has an nft wallet and what are we going to do if we didn't even check it out so i think it's it, it is responsible to be uh, aware of what's happening and predictive try to have some uh, inkling and that's why we have we have a couple of people who were kind of really interested in nfts and kind of were the driving force of of just exploring this because they see it as something that may just become normal for for people like you and me 
Yeah, and I think that's like a part of the the thing about Eve is I was actually just just this morning I was really uh, watching some old tech videos from uh, FanFest back in 2012 about how like new tech was going to be added into uh, TQ and how we're going to make use of it. And at the time, it seemed like not necessarily outlandish, but it seemed kind of like a uh, science fair type stuff. And uh, it's cool to see that like that stuff is now in Eve, right? And as Ritari was mentioning, like uh, we want to be able to set up Eve forever. Like uh, Eve in the in the long term is definitely something that has always been like a, a core principle for for Eve, from either embracing or even just exploring new technologies. Um, and so I think that's what you're seeing here. Uh, as an aside, like you can see this through a lot of other gaming studios as well. Uh, I think uh, this December even. Um, the executive producer over who makes uh, like Final Fantasy uh, online, like they were talking about like the same tech, like, Hey, this is going to be tech that we're going to be exploring uh, in the future. So it's not just like Eve doing crazy things or CCB doing crazy things. Uh, this is something where the industry is just kind of taking note and, and wanting to experiment with. And we want to do that and like learn those lessons to see like, if this is something that is going to be useful from a tech perspective. Looking at sort of the way that tech is discussed within the Eve community, I think like there are, there are a couple of different categories that come to mind from a player's perspective. So there's like the Quasar dev blog where it's talking about, hey, we've changed the way that our systems work. Here's these new features or the Apple native client. Here's this new stuff. Then there's the experimental things. Um, the one that comes to the top of my mind is the Hadeon Aether engine, if memory serves, like the whole 14,000 players or something yep. all at the same time. Um, but then there's also players looking at it from a feature perspective. Uh, the one that comes to mind for this one is instanced gameplay. So when Abyssals first launched, there were a lot of players who had a guttural reaction to the instanced PVE aspect of nobody can interact with you, you're in your own bubble. And people were concerned about how that could be implemented going forward. Would it be problematic and disruptive? And we've seen it. Number one, it was brought in as like, hey, we're testing this tech. And then also we're looking to see if it can be integrated into future events. Sure enough, it is continuing to be integrated. So my question is, when players are looking at the NFTs or other tech updates, is there any way to really gauge is this a tech demo Aether engine experiments type thing we're looking at, or is this a feature that we want to be integrating into more and more gameplay because it lets us do something like we have a vision for it sort of thing? Um, so the three tech things uh, you talked about. So Quasar is more of an infrastructure thing that, that just allows us to be more scalable and support more players. Hadian was of the same thing. So that we're trying to solve a problem, like just hosting uh, many people in the, on the, the same server or the same uh, solar system in a fleet fight. So basically performance uh, improvements. Uh, Native Mac is obviously just uh, an audience kind of supporting. Like uh, we have a lot of players who'd like to be on, on, on their Macs and, and play the game. So that's really just an engine or technical stack improvement to do so, like uh, changing or having Python or or, or changing programming languages are of, of the same thing. Like these are just things that we need to do to, to stay relevant and uh, keep our stack up to date. Uh, Abyssals is completely like that 
the technology is more just like a, a design paradigm of like the technology of spawning uh, using a filament is just it it's still just a, an artifact or a construct in the Eve universe and isn't really tech at all in any sense. Uh, it just means like it's a it's a new method of doing a, a thing that we used to be able to do. So I think that's when it's a feature inside the game. Um, it's going to be if it's a prototype or a or a te- or or an idea like abyssals were presented. Uh, the thing with that is we're just gonna measure it, see if it if it's actually working, and then try to improve it, keep it the same, or remove it. Uh, with abyssals, it stuck because there was a lot of people enjoying hard PVE, um, which was an underserved audience. P- people didn't really play E for that uh, kind of thrill, um, I think, and uh, leadership thinks that PVE is, should be a a uh, big. It should be a relevant part of Eve Online. Uh, you should be able to in any. MMO, you can have fun doing PvE and PvP. Of course, we're not going to change the DNA of, of EVE Online. It's a PvP game in the end. Um, and uh, But we want to like support people who want to do uh, fun PvE on their own when they want to and then and do PvP activities if they choose to as well. Um, it's all happening in the same universe. And with Abyssals, we took uh, or made sure that there were uh, moments of uh, I would say windows of opportunity to to inflict PvP upon you with a filament um, trace. So that was the design uh, to get to, to solve for the non-interactability of the controlled PvE scenario. And um, I don't think that people who would uh, be attackable in Abyssal Level 6 would ever do Abyssal Level 6s again. Uh, they would lose their fun uh, and, and enjoyment, and they would not necessarily just migrate to other PV activities. So I think you have to think of these as adjacent or additive players in your sandbox. They're also generating items that other people use. They're also sometimes flying. They're not on in Abyssals all the time. So uh, I see no reason to... to uh, Say that instance PvP PVE should or should not be. It is in the game today, and we're going to stick to it. Uh, it doesn't mean that all PVE that we add to the game is going to be instanced in 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 that way. And we're definitely going to make sure that if we add instance PVE in that sense, we will make sure that there are windows of opportunity for PvP to happen, uh, which I've tried to explain a couple of times before, but I think. We simply want to make sure that you can be attacked on your way to the content and maybe in the lobby before the content, and but not during the content. And then when you exit the content or even picking up the reward from the content. So uh, that's just a design challenge. And the designers are, are completely aware of it, that we don't want. And that's not the, the design philosophy of, of EVE to create instanced PvE where you cannot be interacted with. I think that's the best explanation of it I've heard so far. Cheers. Thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, without a joke. Like when I saw this, I, I just went into okay, how is this framed? Have we talked about this? Let's create a framework, explain it, and 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 talk about it, not shy away from it. And I think I would be really happy with this because I think there is a way to create really rewarding content 
if it is really, really hard, like level six is, uh, and, uh, but no one really wants to commit to it if they can just be ganked. But I'm happy to tr- like make them get to it undetected or, or get a fleet of defense or whatever to be able to do it. But without control of the risk, we cannot add like that kind of substantial additional reward that we want to add to the game. On that topic, uh, for example, the, the Anchorage sites that we, we, uh, had during Christmas, they were dread content blowing up dreadnoughts. And that's the kind of content that we'd, we'd love to be, uh, doing more of, uh, capital content for like specific capital types or, or, you know, try your, try your best at trying to win this content in, in, in other types of ships. Um, but these will either be, uh, have Windows opportunity or simply just be disruptable as, as normal content is. And I'll be very, um, kind of I'll give an insight into what we want to do. We want to take some of the combat sites in NullSec and make them much harder and, uh, much, much, uh, more rewarding. Uh, that's kind of what we're working on with, with uh, a part of the team today. Looking at the Concord Rogue analysis beacons, um, the crab modules, which are the current capital gameplay in the game quote unquote are there any like they've been out for a while now players have been using them are there any high level lessons learned that we're taking from those as we look towards the content you're developing now uh we're definitely we're monitoring it and uh i know the team is looking at improving the rewards a bit but uh the uptake has been uh solid we didn't want to go like to rush into anything on the reward side so uh, people are learning it and, and mastering it, and there's definitely people running them uh, regularly, and there's a solid, solid income stream now for 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 those players that do so. Uh, there is risk, obviously, um, but uh, and we'd like to. I know that that the team is looking at uh, improving the rewards a bit, and I think if they haven't already fixed the drone issue, the muta, muta drone issue. That one yeah, has been Concord. fixed. Yeah, Concord uh, slapped some uh, slapped some stuff into the mutated drones. So they actually now orbit okay. instead of just uh, keep their micro orbit on. They know <laughs> how to push. Sure. Uh, they can shift F one now instead of just F one. Uh, the uh, new content uh, that we're looking at, or in parallel, is not beacon related. It's more uh, classic classic sites with a twist, just harder. Uh, the last three that we've done and um in that vein have been the three uh capital capital construction module uh, sites drone drone grown uh something stagecoach and third i can't remember but they've been crafted sites and uh utilizing the the uh, both diamond rats and the 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 improved ai that we have um, and a with with the null sex sites, they're obviously fire old, and we want to. I don't think we would replace them, but I think we want to add a new layer of difficulty on top of that with uh, modern AI and and improved uh, rewards. Not lobbying for it specifically, but I want to throw out a. Uh, uh, just like a kudos to the design team on, I'm 
forgive me, I'm not much of a PVR, so I don't know the exact name. I think it's the shipyard site where you have to do precision piloting around mines to get to a hacking thing. Such a cool idea for uh, an EVE PVE experience. Uh, I watched somebody do a YouTube video of it. They were really underwhelmed with the rewards they got at the end of it, but I thought the gameplay was extremely interesting and compelling and something I don't recall ever really utilized that much in uh, in EVE PVE, which is having to kind of thread the needle with your ship and, and manually pilot through something. Uh, kind of The Bissell's kind of touched it with some of the environmental hazards, which I really like as well. Um, but I don't recall like sort of a, a in-space maze element. And I thought it was super cool. That's, that's fantastic. I'll, I'll pass it on. Um, this is basically a a great designer taking all of the, the stuff that we have available and and crafting something. Um, we had these, like you said, the abyssal like uh, inspirations or even some kind of components that we can use. Um, we have, uh, like I said, better uh, AI. We have way better control of, of, of authoring those. So we can, we can spin up different types of NPCs faster than we used to be able to. Um, and then finally we have, um, Lost my train of thought. Um, we had uh, a, the, a designer who just went to our engineer, uh, CSB, not Paradox, uh, Master Plan. I said, like, I really want to do this maze kind of thing. Can I get a new component? Can I get a mine that we haven't, uh, we don't have today in, in the game? And and uh, we just spun it up. So there's a lot of low-hanging fruit also on, on that kind of stuff, like using the the modules and the technology that we have to create uh, new things, uh, particularly just kind of staple modules or or, or powers or, or actions from from you know mobas and and age old games RPGs, you know way more debuffs and and curses and and stuff like that. We we have the ability to do so in a very easy in easy manner, but we haven't really experimented, and it's something that. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do more of in, in uh, 22 is actually create new modules to, to kind of spice up the meta instead of just kind of balance the, the, the shifts and modules that we have. It yeah. is. And there's the gameplay possibilities are, are very exciting. I could imagine having to pilot through like an enormous asteroid that's only has certain corridors your ship can actually get through, or uh, there's like a incredibly hostile, Nebula, which shreds your ship's hit points if you touch it, but there's like a, kind of a safe-ish path through it if you stay in the right lines. And there's, there's a tech of- demo by CSB Convict from a FanFest 16, 17, 18, I can't remember, uh, where he's uh, navigating through an asteroid as a tech demo. I can't remember. like, Or if it's kind of CSB Convict talks about the past and going through like very, very old tech demos, but uh, <laughs> if you Google it, you'll find it. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. But yeah, I mean, the... something that makes use of uh, Eve's environment, manual piloting, the 3D space. I mean, once you start to get down that road, it's just a very fresh direction for Eve because it's just untapped potential, I think. Yeah, and, and the, the, the West movement was just put into the game and, and never utilized for any, any special purpose. But I, I'd love to be able to, to get some skill-based exploration or something into, into the game, but like not right now. Yeah. And you, you mentioned it a little bit, Alec, but the, one of the cool things I like is that you teach like a, a PVP fundamental, like just your positioning 
uh, and the like awareness of where you are in space by doing PVE content, right? So you're not necessarily teaching people how to manually pilot by doing this, but they're learning the skills they need to manually pilot. Uh, one of the neat things with this uh, new event, and I'm sorry if I'm gushing about it too much, uh, is there are like debuff clouds and buff clouds. Uh, unlike the abyss, where like uh, like if you're in the abyss and you hit a blue cloud, your sig blooms, but you can just leave the blue cloud. Here, if you hit one of these, they kind of like envelop your ship for 60 seconds and give you a debuff or a buff depending on where you go or and which one you take. Um, so like there's a, a 25% uh, reload reduction for um, all your modules, which is really great if you're running ancillary shield reps. So like the meta in these things is to take a triple uh, ancillary shield rep caracal and just go through the the blue clouds, like the good clouds, to get that good uh, buff on you and avoid the uh, and avoid the red clouds uh, that'll give you the opposite debuff. Um, so like you using these, like using the environment, you can give yourself an advantage in the game. I just think that's like so so cool, uh, and I'm really excited that there's like more of that coming. Would love to see some wanna... of that in non-PVE space, like in ways that people could PvP with that kind of thing if they were particularly enterprising and, like, I don't know, were able to draw their opponents to a cloud that would advantage them in some way. That might be so interesting. There's a, there's a reason they don't let me near anywhere get near game design, uh, because I would be horrible at it. But I always had this fantasy of, like, after you fire a doomsday, there's like radioactive waste that just goes around into pockets of space where if you go, like you'll start taking damage or, you know, maybe it'll help you out because it's like the good kind of radioactive that turns you into Spider-Man, like stuff like that. Uh, that was always my fantasy that like Titans could create these weird uh, areas of effect uh, and, and weird little buff debuff um, clouds. But don't worry, uh, that's not coming anytime soon. <laughs> I'm not a game designer. I don't get to do that cool stuff. You get well, a yeah, uh, non-proliferation the- treaty, you know. With the uh, weather systems, we we started like testing some of these, but not like in-game uh, entities. But uh, the same technology is the it's the same. Uh, we basically just apply the debuff to an area instead of a, a system, and theoretically, you could just uh, add that debuff to a module or an effect. And I think weather's been a great addition to the game. Um, that's been it's been cool. Would love to see it more prominent. Uh, Artemis, you had a thing? Oh, man, I have a really big thing. I just want to take a step back and think about the conversation we've just been having and compare it to similar conversations we've had like in the last five like five years ago. Previously, people would mention, hey, these, these wormhole space effects are cool. What if we got them elsewhere? Or, hey, these missions, they're okay, but I've, done, I've saved the damsel a million times. Give me something new. And it was always... We love to do that too. We have really creative teams to do it, but we don't have the tech. We don't have the ability to go in and make these changes without a mon- monstrumental amount of effort on the front end. And now, a few years later, the conversation is, hey, we had a f- really talented designer who was inspired to do a thing. We gave them a, an engineer on the back end, and they were able to pick from these tools to go through and build and craft a fantastic experience. I just wanted to... to put that context of sort of where we are now in EVE from both a PVE and a PVP perspective versus just a few years ago from the tools available to the designers to make the game better. That's a great point. Speaking of other game design things, I want to move this along to a couple other topics, uh, which I don't expect we'll go into as much depth. Uh, And then we have one 
closing general topic before we get out of here. Uh, but there are a number of, um, I would call them front of mind issues for players on specific game development topics, which Matadi having your, the opportunity to talk with you, I just have to bring them up. Um, before we move on entirely from it, um, the first question is around the scarcity and prosperity issues. Um, so, uh, and thanks to Andy for doing research, AKA listening to the previous episode you were on, um, where we talked about scarcity and how you did clarify that you wanted to have scarcity as part of Eve long-term, but then we have this age of prosperity patch, which, you know, you can tell me is just pure marketing and I will believe you. Um, to the extent that you're iterating on the prosperity patch, what direction do we need to go to align with CCP's vision here? Are we too far in scarcity and it needs to be moved up a little bit? Is it about right? And if so, what else, what are we going to change? And if it isn't right, is it perhaps too prosperous? <laughs> um, okay, so I think it maybe it's just how people uh, communicated. Maybe I didn't say the right words. Uh, all that jazz. Um, if I can, I can uh, kind of recap. So what the situation was before. Let's call it uh, mid-year twenty, yeah, twenty twenty. Is that the game was at severe risk of running itself into the ground, and it was a like as unhealthy as as you can imagine. Uh, we had game designers uh, writing worrying uh, posts about like this is just really worrying. We have to do something. Um, I did the same thing. Uh, I was. Uh, kind of wrote a manifesto of what I thought were the key things that needed to be tackled. And we've tackled most of them and are dealing with kind of the aftermath of that. So that old baseline, whether you like it or not, uh, as it was, um, is never coming back. Uh, and I think we were clear on that. So that old baseline was the unhealthy part on, on the chart that we had in the mm -hmm. uh, blogs. And then we went willingly underneath so that's the scarcity phase where and that's the scarce baseline you could say that we're just burning through inventories until they are gone and those inventories were created by the unhealthy baseline of the past uh, obviously if you go back to the unhealthy baseline you're going to create the same problem immediately after uh, but we're not sticking to the scarce baseline either we're sticking to a new baseline which is what we dubbed healthy and we are on healthy uh, at the moment, we're not in scarce. There are enough sites. There's enough stuff to do. The the universe isn't empty. Um, and now we're in the iteration phase. Uh, the iteration phase is uh, a few things, actually. It's the compression. Compression is going to change dramatically how, how uh, things travel through the universe. And it's going to change dramatically how people are able to to uh, source their manufacturing, so we can't really say uh, what the current uh, what what the effect is going to going to be. It's just we know that it's going to improve the situation. It's going to create create more trade. Um, so compression is a an absolutely good thing. It's both interesting from from the harvesting side and also the manufacturing side, and then it has roll on effects. Um, then we have systems like uh, the dynamic bounty system that we're 
we're openly iterating. Uh, we'll iterate on different things uh, as well, like the uh, like the new baseline. So we'll have to see whether there are any like really uh, we'll, we'll act as the invisible hand of the market if there's something that's completely missing from the game or is detrimental to the game and and we're aware of it uh that isn't the that isn't the same thing as having uh bottlenecks bottlenecks are something that happens in the real world when and you have to deal with it uh but one of the main bottlenecks we're going to fix is definitely pi volume uh how how that's addressed will will uh will address it uh there might be a there's just a handful of ways we could do it, uh, but we're definitely taking a look at it. So those three things will be uh, on the iterating healthy baseline aspect of the game. Um, but so we uh, are if I can distill that down, it's less about availability of resources from a, a quantity and harvesting rate perspective, but it sounds like you're looking at maybe quality of life changes for people, volume reductions, ways to compress, things like that. Yeah, you could say it, or just like more advanced tools for, for uh, haulers and and uh, industrialists. Um, quality of life isn't, well, you might say it's quality of life, but it's it's, it's not really a new thing. It's it's just uh, that you'll be able to, to uh, take action. Um, quality of life to me is more like a, Here's bad UX. I have to click 17 things um, mm. versus like new tools for the trade is is to me not quality of life. It's 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 new and and kind of new meta in the industry. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, one of the important things here is like not only uh, are we sort of uh, bringing the economy back into a healthy state, but we're also updating like the underlying tools. As Susie Ratari was saying, like giving you more tools, giving players more agency to make decisions, right? So it's not just, I train this, I'm the best at this um, and that, right? So, ne- so now like we have a dynamic, uh, especially when it comes to like the mining ships. Um, there's a best mining ship for every situation, but that's not always, the, like the situations like, do change, right? So maybe you want a Hulk uh, for, for one thing, or maybe you want a Machina, or maybe you want the B-type crystals because you're far from home and you really have to crack this moon down uh, because you've got another one a little bit further out that you want um, to, to frack as well. Like the, there are so many new tools for players to use um, that it's kind of exciting as well as like th- there's more levers from the CCP side. So if we see that there's a problem uh, instead of just doing a, a massive change, we just do small changes, right? There's like little tweaks mm-hmm. that we can do. Um, one of the best things that I think has come out of this and players will probably hate me for saying this, but like decoupling capital production from uh, tech one production, really like, so now we can adjust the price of a Ferox and adjust the price uh, of like a dreadnought, like completely independently from one another. Well, not completely, but uh, without being as drastic as before, uh, which I think is an amazing tool set uh, for the game designers to, to be able to, to, to play uh, with. That's such a fundamental design foundation that like, Obviously, should have been there uh, from the, the start, but it is what it is, um, and uh, we're really happy with that. Um, that that kind of the the wealth of options that we can we where we can actually inter intervene, and mm-hmm. we 
we don't just have the the nerf cycle because we can actually like change things uh, at the at the at the root of the problem, like uh, on individual classes of shifts, etc. So that's huge, and that's definitely something that we're looking at um, in just relative power and return on investment overall for the for the game. Is that like does this cost this bill of material actually represent value um, to to many or few players and is it justifiable to keep having it at, at that power level or or do we need to, to buff or, or or change anything like that but now at least we have two ways to, to, to tackle a problem and um, like the, the the battleships we we don't really want to, to change the blueprint ingredients uh, so we're going to try to to buff it instead. Cool. I want to zoom out a little bit, and Ritati, this question is squarely to you, and I encourage you to be as reflective as you like. Um, so we had you on the show about two years ago. At that time, you kind of laid out a couple goals for the changes that you wanted to see in EVE. More geographical identity between the various security statuses. Uh, a need for players to adventure beyond their safe spaces for resources and just experiences, I guess. Uh, more competition, both combat and otherwise. And people traveling more, like in between systems specifically. So, in those two years, how successful do you think you've been at achieving those goals? And to the extent that you can say, What's left to do, and is it realistic that we would see some of those goals achieved this year? Um, so, geography matters. We did a lot of lot of things um, in that regard, and I think we're where we want to be with that. Uh, we need to separate the the, the mineral generation and uh, and uh, make it. Make it more clear that you had to trade to to have the kind of the full vertical uh, pipeline. Uh, Potchman was like an an a an interesting uh, change as well. So the change that we made in the like in the summer, if if I remember correctly, of just uh, re- re- releasing some of the standings requirements to get more people into it because we always wanted Potchman to be a new place to fight with different rules and that was the the whole thing about it um and with the with the ease of standings we're seeing a completely different things happening uh we're seeing like obviously structures don't interfere interfere as much in the in the combat uh capitals as well so we're seeing like brawling and 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 crazy stuff happening um which was the literal intent like a new playground with different rules so we're very happy with that. So we feel that it's completely different. And I think wormholers will be kind of out. They have, uh, they've kept their value or, 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 uh, wealth generation capability. Um, there were changes like surgical strike that, that affected them, um, adversely, uh, some, some good changes, some bad changes. But overall, I think they're, they're, at status quo, I think we could do better with wormholes uh, to improve, like or change how how uh, how their life is compared to the other regions. Um, and there are issues with some of these uh, geographical uh, situations, like factional warfare, like um, and uh, leaning into into structures. Like I think structures are creating 
massive, and that's in the manifesto from two years ago, massive like compounded effects on all kinds of smaller ecosystems like faction warfare, uh, like HiSec, like NullSec. Uh, I'm, I'm fine in, in NullSec. What kind of it, it's your it's your playground. Do with it what you want. But I think there are. I, I would say that structures across the different regions are now the main concern: how they act, how they work, how they can be built, etc. Uh, so that's a big focus for us. Uh, contested resources or competition for resources is something that we are. Well, it's it's very closely related, but we are seeing a lot of changes in that, and those haven't really stabilized. We'll have to see. But I'm I'm happy with what we've done until now, at least. Um, we tackled inventories through that, so that was kind of the f- fundamental underlying goal. Uh, and the super umbrella was changed, obviously, uh, with surgical strike and and more, and uh, the cost of capitals. So we've completely changed a lot of these things, um, and to the better, in in our opinion. Uh, but I I think the travel aspect, more travel, is something that may come with with. Uh, uh, the improved hauling, for example, uh, hauling of minerals. But I think there's issues as well with traveling. Like I, I still jump freighters are not like I, I don't feel that they they fit well into the into the EV universe. If I'm if I'm honest, it doesn't mean that anything's going to change. It's just like I I don't like uh, that. It feels like uh, it's one of those uh, windows opportunity. It doesn't feel like they have a, a lot of windows opportunity to yeah. be interacted with. And I also think that filaments are broke a couple of fundamental travel rules that that make flight easier um, than it used to be, and broke some of the the rules. For example, just not being able to get out of wormhole uh, that you're stuck in, and those are kind of things that like are in the they're on the roadmap somewhere, but not in the in the near future. As far as structures, do you think it's realistic that that would get significantly addressed this year? Yeah, yes. And as far so, as everything else, do you think it's realistic players would get an idea of what is prioritized on the roadmap this year? Uh, we are. We just try to be careful about what we we share because of the the. Uh, because it can't be relied on. Like it's very hard to to commit to a date and then uh, skimp on it. And uh, we're trying to avoid that. We had those pitfalls years ago, mm-hmm. where we we had a roadmap and and everyone yelled at us when we didn't deliver on it. So we'd like to to keep it more open ended. But I think I've I've told you a lot of things that we are looking at in the near to midterm, at least in this podcast. Uh, I don't know that I missed anything. Let me. Check if I my on my wish list. Off the top oh, rather of than head, focus on a, a oh, sorry, get Artemis. Off the top of my head, a, a phrase that is thrown around quite frequently when discussing the industry changes was sort of looking forward to dynamic distribution. Could you give like a, a more nuanced view of what that means as of right now? Are we in a state of dynamic distribution or further changes coming? How does that feel and work? Uh, dynamic distributions is we're not there yet. We're in in the in the between. Um, dynamic distribution is supposed to happen very closely related to iHub upgrades uh, that we have on on the roadmap. 
So with iHubs, we've always wanted to increase the customization and kind of leverage the fact that we have uh, we made geography matters matter. So bringing back some of these minerals into NullSec that we removed by choice and cost uh, would be a very interesting choice for for uh, alliances and corporations in Null. So that's kind of part of the iHub package, if you will. Uh, and uh, a part of that is improved UI and, and 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 UX on that. So additional resources, uh, different combat sites, maybe even these harder combat sites that we that I mentioned before. So that's all kind of in that nebulous package of of distribution, as well as taking into account player action. So we want to keep working on 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 the game uh, fundamentals where your actions actually mean something. And this is something that we've been talking about for two, three years now, is that if you, uh, we want the, the universe to react. So you can deplete something or make it more scarce in your area by over harvesting it or overusing it. Uh, the, the first foray was a DPS and uh, something similar is, or maybe not similar, but like in that vein is uh, dynamic distribution. So your actions would matter more. So I want to move into our last question, and I just want to throw this out there, not necessarily for you to respond, Rattati, just to take it in as a point of feedback. You have given us like a lot of things that CCP is working on and looking at, but I think everybody here knows, and certainly the audience should understand, that not all of those things are necessarily equal. There's prioritization. CCP only has so many resources. What gets worked on first is a really big decision for any company. Um and some changes that might be bigger might take a long time, but are still worth doing ahead of other things that might be faster that are still important. But, you know, we just can't, we got to do this other thing over here. I'm not saying instead of roadmaps or specific lists of things that you're working on, which CCP has put out on a dev blog to their credit fairly recently, I think. Um, but some idea of, or, or not, some confirmation <laughs> to the players that like CCP has thought about priority and an understanding of what do you see as the big problems, not what you're going to do to fix them, but what areas are you looking at more closely and getting CSM and player feedback on the priority list as opposed to specific changes, I think might be an interesting iteration on development communication with the player base. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I can share that. For example, iHubs that we we wanted to kind of keep working on and uh, use as a kind of baseline uh, into into uh, our next large initiative because uh, kind of fix the economy initiative is 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 kind of uh, at at the end of its its run. Um, I've talked about wanting to start to do something uh, way more constructive and more fun and more uh, creative. Uh, this year and, and kind of start that. And, uh, which means that we are, for example, deprioritizing the iHub over structure rework. So we're, we're raising the structures to, to a higher level of importance at the mm -hmm. moment. So we're focusing on that. We think it's going to help, uh, some of the combat issues in, in null and, um, and, and make them, make those fights more interesting than they have been. Um, and, that's a focus. Uh, we want to kind of get get the manufacturing, keep making sure that the manufacturing wheels are turning. So that's uh, another priority. But after that, we're 
we're we're looking at uh, basically new interesting things to to work on but structures is not something that's solved in a patch or two it's it's more like a, we're committing to fixing it over time we know that there are issues we'll we'll start with the short and and mid and see if we can kind of move the needle a bit on on those and we have already identified with the CSM like the major topics to to address that's a really great transition to our last question. Something that should be iterated upon over time, and of course, that is ship balance. Um, it's a perennial uh, bird song in Eve that the meta is stale, or that such and such a ship is overpowered, because that's just the nature of games. Um, recently, Hacks got their micro warp drive sig reduction removed, which I can attest has drastically impacted the survivability of things like the Cerberus. But the Munin is still a very dominant ship. And I, as much as people harp on the Munin and the hack meta, I think it speaks more to the power of artillery and the power of mobility in the main theaters of EVE combat, like big Nelsic fighting and, and such. So um, what is your current view? And I'll, I'll throw this to both of you. What are your current views of the ship balance and PvP metas of EVE? And are we likely to see any... Or, or excuse me. Are we going to see more balancing around specific ships? Are we considering looking at uh, the sort of the larger systems that underpin why those ships are good? And are we going to see any significant ship balancing aside from the battleships that have been hinted at in the pet in the next year or two? Because it's been a while. So as a as a nine designer, I can like hop in here. I don't know if uh, you'll want to like. You're a hack user, at least. Yeah, yeah, I know you've used me. I, I can I can tell you what we're committed to doing, and then you can go wild. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Do that. That, uh, that way, it won't look so stupid. <laughs> Battleships for sure uh, is something we we want to want to kind of uh, address, but just. Um, I would love to be able to tackle these issues uh, like the hack or kiting or uh, to give one class the ability to 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 counter that uh, with a new function or new module. So that's that's the philosophy that I would like to do. Like I'd, I'd like to get out of stirring the pot and just like, okay, now it has three low slots. Now it has two. Now it has less PG. Like that doesn't feel like it's moving the needle it's just like moving the meta from one to the other so uh, the design philosophy that i would like to embrace is uh, if there's an issue a demonstrable issue in the in the meta is there a way to take an underutilized uh, class and give it an ability or a module to to tackle that threat kind of like you know bring bees to eat the insects into your garden uh into, into your uh, greenhouse those kinds of things. And obviously that turns into like a hell hole where you bring in rabbits to kill like something else and foxes to like, like what happened in Australia. But, you know, we'll try to avoid those pitfalls, but I think we can just do more with more modules in the, in the game and, 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 uh, and the underutilized uh, ship classes. Nice. Okay, good. So the seg uh, goes in line with what, about what I'm thinking as well. Like uh, I think I like you mentioned a little bit, uh, the reason that the Munin and hacks are so good isn't necessarily that the the platforms are very very good, even though they are. They're like they're they're pretty good ships. Um, it's more along the lines of like the engagements, right? They're very mobile. Um, they can move around. They can do damage at a pretty good distance. 
Um, and they can boogie when they have to, right? So they can run away uh, when, when things go bad. Uh, they can also deal with capital threats pretty well, not only by relocating on the grid, but by also like defanging drones, stuff like that. They don't get gigablapped by everything. They don't get obliterated by bombs. Uh, they can perch and reposition on the field. Right? And, and, and I will and a say as that, a small ganger, all that stuff, it'd be really great to have ships that do do that. You know, yeah, yeah. Like you need to do time. that, but like a, a part of the reason that makes these ships so alluring, especially on the larger scale, is essentially how structures work, uh, right? So a lot of this does go hand in hand with like uh, our look at the structures uh, and how combat specifically around structures works. Not only structure proliferation, but how structure combat actually plays in Eve. Um, so that I mean, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to nerf the agility on the Munin." and knock off 50 power grid mission accomplished, right? You have to look at it uh, a little bit more um, and, and like why these type, why this play style is useful and what it does in EVE. Uh, and as like uh, a long time EVE player, I think every like old EVE player has this weird uh, fondness for battleship holes. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. It's just, it's just something weird nostalgia for, for uh, EVE veterans. But battleship hulls feel just so, so fun to fly. Um, and they always feel like uh, it's super bloody because they're not very mobile. So if you screw up, your, your fleet's gone, right? You're, you're just totally screwed uh, in a lot of cases, which I think is, I don't know, really fun for when you're on the uh, killing side and very memorable for when you're on the losing side. So maybe that's why uh, I have such a fondness for battleships. I mean, I, I can't speak to what new modules might or might not be created, but there are a lot of counterplay elements in the game to things like Immunion Fleet or to uh, bombs on battleships. But my perception, Artemis can, can say if I'm coming at this way wrong, but I think part of the issue is they're a bit underpowered in some ways. Like for battleships, the counter to bombers, with the current mechanics, no new modules added should slash could be having some destroyers with you equipped with defender missiles. But I think there's a lack of faith in the player base that those defender missile mechanics are going to be strong enough to protect said battleship fleet and that uh, they're worth putting pilots into. For the Munin, they could get run down by frigates, but they've got a drone bay and they're going to have lots of tackle with them to like slow down frigates so they can still get tracked and popped. Yeah, and even if you do get swarmed by frigates, ninety nine percent of your fleet gets away, right? Like, uh, sure. no, maybe not. And, that. and maybe you might it's not be able to, to break eighty percent, and you might not be able to break Logi with a couple assault frigates and attack interceptors, whatever the the non fleet interceptor is called. Yeah, exactly, and you can also see it coming too, right? And so your ships are pretty mobile and can and kick get get out of there whenever you need. One of the neat things that I've seen players kind of uh, this came in last year, probably. Almost a year ago, not quite, I guess, maybe closer to nine months ago, is fleet formations. Uh, fleet formations for battleship fleets are kind of a game changer that, that has yet to be tapped into. So I think there's going to be like this uh, dynamic where it's like little buff here, little buff here, little buff here. And eventually, uh, like these ships just become good. Like all those little buffs I've added and it breaks a critical mass to the point where uh, these ships are not only good, but very strong. And that's uh, kind of what I hope happens as just like an enthusiastic player, uh, instead of just like, oh, all these numbers are changed. Battleships do 80% more DPS. Uh, one thing that I think has gotten, gotten really good 
is the Marauder meta. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. As someone who flies a solo Marauder sometimes uh, and likes to, to rob banks, I really do like how the Marauders have kind of uh, come into their role. It feels like they've replaced the uh, uh, capitals and dredge just dropping on me wherever I go. And so I kind of feel like, obviously, if I'm one-on-one against the, a Varger, I'm going to still eat it. But my fleet may be able to, to, to rip it apart in some ways where if a super umbrella dropped on me, then there's nothing I could do. I don't know, maybe you guys might disagree on the, the broader matter, but I, I've been having a ton of fun with it. Uh, I've only fed two Vargers in the last six months, so I'm on a good winning streak. I mean, I've I've talked to plenty of folks who have been getting dropped by yours or others Marauders who are salty about it, and then I've had plenty of folks who are hunting people like you who fly the Marauders. So it, um, time will tell. <laughs> I think it feels main, more like, balanced. It feels like a really good shift for for new for new players to have aspirations to to unlock. It's just it's good. It's expensive. It can PV and PVP. So I'm I'm very happy that there's an in between shift between capitals. Going from battleship to marauder to to dread, for example. So I'm I think it it's also good for new players to have like okay that's a massive undertaking. I can't wait to fly it and like I have a a really meaty target to to aspire to. And I think uh, they weren't that um, before. They were just like um, I don't know easy easy targets. They were kind of just like. Kind of a novelty, really. Yeah, novelty, or just like, oh my god, I'm, uh, I'm so like, I'm such a bad conscience. I killed like a new player, like a a new player in a Marauder. He didn't know what I was doing, low sec or something. And you're like, just like easy prey. And I'm, I'm very happy that they're they're uh, competitive where they're supposed to. I think the only negative I've heard consistently about the Marauder meta is that the Varger seems very strong compared to the other three. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. The Varg is uh, fun to fly. Don't Maybe as a don't class. A good thing. Maybe as a class, the tracking is a little too high. But I I agree with you, Itadi. It's, it's, I In general, I think they're they're great. They're like a unique, fun, blingy ship. It's much more accessible to fight it than like a Hawdred or something like that. Um, so I, I think it's in a good spot for the most part. <laughs> At least this one is Varger nerf. <laughs> yeah, no, I just bought like three more. Don't nerf me now. This is the, <laughs> the vagabond all over again. All right, well, that's it for us. Um, Ritati, CCP Swift, thank you so much for joining us. Do you guys want to do any shout-outs before we let you go? Uh, yeah, hey, shout-out to uh, to you guys, actually, for, for having us. Uh, this is always a blast uh, to be able to chat with Eve players. Uh, Declarations of War has been a podcast that I've listened to and, and known ever since I've been playing Eve. Right? It feels like it's always been there. Um, so it's nice that I get to finally take, well, not finally, it's nice that I get to take part with it again on the, on this side of the fence. So thanks for that. Appreciate it. And um, shout out to CCB Ritati as well. I'll, I'll do the, the shameless thing and uh, shout out CCB Ritati for, for coming on. Dropping some really cool knowledge bombs and talking about Eve. It's, it's always fun for me. Uh, sometimes I have a hard time taking my CCP hat off and I'm still a, a bit of a fan and a player. It's always cool when I, I hear a developer talk about the game uh, as passionately as Ritali does. Well, thank you. CCP Swift. Uh, I'll actually just uh, call out the community for just bearing with us. This is a hard journey. 
And uh, it's hard for us too. We'd love to be able to do fun stuff, creative features, and and not be kind of dealing with these uh, the situation. And uh, I'm very happy in 22 that we're actually starting to talk about the fun and the the crazy. Um, we're I, I share an office with with my my peers, Burger, and it's it's really really funny to. Uh, and, and fun to to just brainstorm uh, all the crazy and that's what I also miss uh, from fanfest is to be able to actually like be on the floor be on the round tables and just have fun and and talk about crazy things without you know being uh, too uh, promising of the future or being able to say something silly and crazy and get away with it in uh, in, in that setting so um, hopefully, COVID, fuck you, but we'll have a good fan fest and I hope to see all of you there. Uh, but that's that's kind of uh, my shout out today. Yeah, and thank you both for being here and taking the time. Uh, Declarations of War is always, I pride ourselves on trying to go a little bit deeper than your average interview show and asking some harder questions. So appreciate you both making yourselves available to that and really taking the time to explore these issues in depth with us. All right. Uh, we've got a little bit of business for the show. Um, the Black Mark Awards are year-end voting awards. They are going to be live as of you listening to this episode. There will be a voting link in the show notes, so go check that out. Vote for your favorites. And uh, I'm going to move on to my shout-outs. Uh, of course, our Golden Elite supporters, Acer Card, Body Wilson, Kestrel Swainson, Krav, Mark Havoc, and RCGV. Thank you so much for your continued support at the highest possible level on Patreon. You guys are absolutely awesome. Uh, Artemis, you want to close this off with shout-outs? Absolutely. My shout-out goes to Sin Deco. He's a pilot in Foxholers. Um, his corp tried to drop on my gas-suffing fleet, cooled off for a few hours, came back and tried to pick a fight with him. He obliged. I won, but he took the fight, and I appreciate it, so thank you. And that's it, guys. Head to DeclarationsAward.com to participate in our show poll. I think it'll probably mirror the Mitanni poll that we had. Uh, considering Declarations War, the only place you can go to see Mitanni and CCP Ritani effectively back-to-back on a podcast format. What a world we're living in. Uh, we're going to have a show note, or excuse me, we're going to have show highlights on YouTube.com slash C slash AlexaFK. Leave your best comment, your funniest or most insightful comment to potentially win a partner skin. And, of course, Noir is always recruiting. If you want to join in on the content that we talk about in this podcast when we don't have CCP devs here to share their time, uh, hit us up. It's game. You could also reach out to myself or Andy. Uh, it's Alexei of Card and Andy Astronaut. In game or on Discord, we're happy to talk to you, answer any of your questions, and, you know, strap in. Join us for a really exciting 2022 with EVE's most prominent Merc unit. So that's it. Wherever you are, wherever you're flying with, whatever you did for your holidays, I hope they were good. Good hunting, listeners. <laughs>